Bibles with you this morning, please open to the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. We're going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 4 today. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll read the entire fourth chapter of Joshua. A lot of scripture today. Ask for your patience with the text, your patience with this preacher this morning. The Lord has a message for us today from the Old Testament. This is the book of Joshua in chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the written word of the living God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And bring them over with you and lay them down at the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up of each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. 
And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded to Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gab and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set them up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. And listen carefully to this last verse. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Pray with me, please. Lord, this is your word. We receive it as such. Bless this time of preaching. Remove every distraction. If there's one here who doesn't know you, may they come to you today. As believers, may we worship you through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we ask all these things, and all God's people said, amen. milestones. You know, we all have milestones in life. A milestone is defined as a significant event in life, a turning point or a point of great development. What are some milestones maybe in your life? You know, for some of you here today, you just had a milestone. You graduated from high school and you're getting ready to have another milestone because you might be attending the college or university of your dreams. For some of us, a milestone is maybe it's getting fired from a job or getting the job we've always desired. Maybe your milestone is falling in love, getting married, becoming a parent, or or buying your first home. You know, we all have significant events, turning points, milestones in our lives. Friends, in much the same way, The scripture today describes the lives of the Israelites as lives that were filled with many, many milestones. Think about it. 
the Exodus was a milestone. Crossing the Red Sea was a milestone. Entering the promised land, as we're talking about today, what a milestone, what a significant event that God was doing in their lives. But we look at what the Israelites did, and we find that not only did they have milestones in their lives, but from time to time, they literally stopped what they were doing and set up a stone of remembrance to remember the significant event that God was bringing forth in their lives. For instance, do you remember 1 Samuel 7? The Israelites were fighting the Philistines. And by God's grace that day, Israel won the battle. And Samuel decided to set up a memorial stone. He called it Ebenezer, which literally means the Lord has helped us. And Israel celebrated that victory of what God had done with, in their lives with a memorial stone. And friends, I want you to know that this same type of thing is happening in our text today in Joshua chapter 4. Because after years of wandering in the wilderness, Israel crossed that Jordan. And they finally entered their promised land. And when they did, they celebrated by putting 12 stones, one for each tribe. Each man carried a stone they set it up at Gilgal, and they remembered what the Lord had done. And friends, as I announced just a moment ago this evening, we at Redeemer, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to gather around our own stone of remembrance to commemorate what the Lord has done in giving us this building. But this morning, let's zoom in on these texts, and let's examine these texts, that our hearts and minds might be informed about milestones. And as we do, I want you to see three particular things. If you have your bulletin with you, if you look at the very back of the bulletin, there's an outline that will be helpful as we go through this sermon today. The three points that we're going to cover are these. First of all, we're going to look back. We're going to remember the past. Secondly, we're going to see the promise of the present and then finally, we're going to see three exhortations for our future. But let's begin by remembering the past, specifically the past story of Moses and Israel. You know, the story of Moses and Israel is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. In fact, that story takes up four books of the Bible, Exodus through Deuteronomy. And in that story, there's many sub-stories, small stories. And some of those stories are good stories. They're stories of triumph, of escape. But some of those stories are hard to hear. They're difficult stories. They're stories of hardship and defeat. But we remember how it begins. It was Moses, that herder of sheep, that stood before the burning bush and God spoke to Moses out of that bush and said, I want you to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses did exactly what I would do. Made every excuse in the book not to do it. And at every single excuse, God gave him an answer. And not only did God give him an answer, he gave him a helper. He said, here's your brother Aaron. He'll go with you. He'll help you speak. So Aaron and Moses 
they set out to Egypt. And when they arrived, God used them to speak the word of the Lord to Pharaoh, so much so that God demonstrated his power to Egypt and Israel in the ten plagues. And after the death of his firstborn son, Pharaoh finally decided to let the people go. So the children of Israel began their exodus. They headed east towards Israel. But soon after that, we know that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He set out to chase them. He pursued them to the Red Sea. And we remember the cries of Israel when they get to the Red Sea because they get to that point and on one side there's a menacing sea. They can't go any further. And on the other side, here comes Egypt. What are we to do? No way they could go. There was no way out. And they grumbled and complained. But what happened? God intervened. And on this side, God put a pillar of cloud between Egypt and Israel. And on this side, wouldn't you love to be there? Man, I'd love to have been there that day. On this side, God parts the Red Sea. I mean, there's a heap of water on one side and a heap of water on the other, and there's dry land in the middle. And Israel crosses the Red Sea. And they get to the other side, and they look back. Pharaoh had said, charge! And Egypt was coming, and God acted on the behalf of his people. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And all that water crashed onto Egypt, destroying Pharaoh and his army, destroying, destroying the chariot, the horsemen. And the Bible says in the book of Exodus that Israel rejoiced. They sang a song of praise because Yahweh had acted on their behalf. That was a milestone. That was a day to remember. That was a turning point. But little did they know that right after that event, they would begin to live a tough and hard 40 years of wandering in that wilderness. You see, the Bible says they complained against Moses and Aaron. And in doing so, that was actually grumbling against the Lord. The Bible says that they sent 12 people into the land to spy it out. They sent them for 40 days. What happened? They returned. Ten of them had a very negative report. Only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, had a positive report. In response to that, God made them wander in the land for 40 years. They were in the land for 40 days. It was one year per day. They were in the land 40 years. They would wander in that wilderness. And remember what happened in that wilderness, Church of the Redeemer. Their tent of meeting their tabernacle, what did they do with it? They set it up and they tore it down, didn't they? Then they journeyed. And you know what they did? They set it up and they tore it down. And then they journeyed to another part of the land. They set it up and they tore it down. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And they did this for 40 years. And friends, I'm sure those 40 years were difficult for Israel. They were years of hardship, sweat, labor. 
all that setting up, all that tearing down. But we know the story. God had a plan for Israel. You see, God would raise up Joshua to lead Israel into that promised land. We talked about the story of Moses ending at the end of Deuteronomy. Well, guess what? Joshua picks up in Joshua chapter 1. That's where we find our story today. So friends, we've remembered the past of Israel. Let's now move on to our second and third points because we're going to do those together. Our second point is the promise of the present. Our third point are three exhortations of the future. If you have your Bibles open to Joshua 1, I want to reread verses 5 through 9. And within this, this text, we're going to have one promise and three exhortations. Chapter, or Joshua 1, verses 5 through 9, the Bible says, No man shall be able to stand before you, All the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful not to do anything, or excuse me, be careful to do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Simply put, what's the promise God gives us in verse 5? He says to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And Joshua, because of that promise, because you know that truth, I want you and Israel to go live in three specific ways. Number one, from verse six, be strong, be courageous. From verse seven, be careful to do according to all the law. Simply put, what does that mean? Do what's right in the sight of God. It's that simple. Do what's right. And number three from verse nine, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. We're going to come back to this promise, these exhortations in just a moment. But before we do, let's pick up with the story that's happening in Joshua. Moses is dead. God has given Joshua leadership responsibilities to move them forward. We pick up with Joshua 3. We didn't read this text. I will tell you what's going on in Joshua 3 leading to Joshua 4. In Joshua 3, Joshua and Israel come to the east side of the Jordan. The officials say to the people, when you see the ark carried by the priest, you need to set out and follow that ark. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. The Lord is going to do wonders among you. In other words, get ready. Get ready, people of God, because you're getting ready to see God act on your behalf. 
Joshua said to the priest, take the ark and pass in front of the people. God said to Joshua, tell the priest who bear the ark to come to the Jordan and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, here's how you know that God is with you. How you know that he'll drive out your enemies. Here's what's going to happen. The ark will pass before you into the Jordan. The priest will bear the ark of the covenant and step into the Jordan. And as soon as they do, as soon as the priest's feet hit the Jordan, here's what's going to happen. God's going to stop the river. It's going to completely stop. All the waters on the north side that are flowing south, they're going to gather into a heap just like what happened on the Red Sea. And there'll be no water flowing on the south side. God is going to stop the waters. And beloved, this happened. Could you imagine that? It happened again. The priest stood on dry ground in the very midst of the Jordan. And the people passed over on dry ground. And the entire nation stood on what's what on once was what wet ground they stood on dry ground and when everyone had gone over the lord said to joshua take 12 men send them back into that river Take 12 men from each tribe and to command them to go get 12 stones from the Jordan where the priests were standing right where their feet were and have them put these stones up in the town where you lodge tonight. So they did, one man from each tribe. Each man went into the Jordan, took a stone, put it on his shoulder, and after the people passed on dry ground, the priests came out of the Jordan and the waters were loosed and they returned and the banks overflowed once again. But that night, they did just what God told them. They camped at Gilgal on the east side of Jericho, and the 12 stones were set up at Gilgal. And the text says to the parents, parents, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You can tell them, that Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground, just like the Red Sea. And you can tell them that all the people should know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that we should all fear the Lord our God. Friends, that's the story. But I want to bring it home right now. How does this text, a text written so many years ago from Joshua, how does this apply to Church of the Redeemer? Let's talk about that in three ways. Our past, our present, our future. First of all, let's look at our past. Because here at Redeemer, just like the Israelites, we can think back about many good times and many difficult, hard times. At Redeemer... Just like the day they crossed the Red Sea, we think about the triumphs, the victories that we've had. We think about all the people who've come to know the Lord at Redeemer, both children and adults. We think about people who've grown in their relationship with Jesus. We think about marriages in this congregation that have been healed. We think about diseases that have been cured by God. We think about ministries that have thrived. We think about mission trips that's been blessings to us and to others. We think about people like the Joshuas and the, and the Caleb's men that God has raised up to be leaders. We saw, heard about it in the video. 
David and Trent and Ernesto and Howard and all those who've, who've gone before us, Pastor Dean, but also just like those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, we think back of times of difficulty, frustration, hardship, and pain. We think about constantly setting up and tearing down, don't we? Like they did in the tabernacle. We think about the times where we've anointed people with oil in the name of the Lord and prayed for them because they're sick. We think about the people we've lost, whether it's family or friends. Times I guarantee that your faith has been tested. Times where your Christian walk has been challenged. But friends, as we remember the past times, even at Sun Valley, and as we now set out to see what the Lord is doing in our future, here in the new building, I want to encourage every one of you in the present with the same promise of Joshua 1.5 and the same three exhortations of Joshua 1.6-9. through 9. First of all, I want every one of us to hear the promise that God has for us presently here today. You see, Joshua was getting ready to have a big milestone. He was getting ready to go somewhere new. And before he did, God gave him a promise. And he said, Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. Church, that same promise applies to you and me here today at Church of the Redeemer. One of my favorite names for God is Emmanuel. What does it mean, God with us? In the Old Testament, God tried to teach his people he was with them because when they set up that tabernacle in the wilderness and there were four camps, one to the north, one to the east, one to the south, one to the west, every one of the camps could look in the middle and see the tabernacle. And what would they see? They'd see God coming down because the glory cloud hovered over the tabernacle and everybody knew God's with me. He's not a distant God. He's right here with me. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus tabernacled among us. He brought the glory of God down. Jesus was fully and completely God. And as he walked and talked among us, he taught us, God is with you. When Jesus ascended, what did he do? He sent the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to indwell the believer. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? God is with us. Church member, be confident in that. He was, he is, and he always will be with us. And the Holy Spirit will continue to lead in God, Church of the Redeemer. He will continually be our refuge and strength. But that promise of the present, see, that points us to the future. See, God gave Joshua that promise, not so he could just know it and go home and relax. He gave him that promise because God had three exhortations that were following that promise that Joshua and Israel needed to go do. What are they? The first exhortation for our future as well, beloved. 
comes from Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. And you heard it repeated over and over. What is it? Be strong and be courageous. Listen, our God does not want to build a weak faith in his people. Rather, he wants to produce people who are strong and courageous. People who are willing to take him at his word. James says it this way, that God doesn't want a double-minded man because he's unstable in all his ways. But you see, what's amazing about our God is that he knows that our faith can be weak. So before he tells us to be strong and courageous, he gives us the promise, which is what? I will never leave you or forsake you. So if you know that God will never leave you or forsake you, therefore you can go be strong and courageous. It reminds me of a story. I shared it a couple years ago. Back in 2008, we moved into a new house. My oldest, Brock, was two and a half, three years old, and we were still getting familiar with the house. He wasn't quite comfortable with it yet. But it got to be late at night, bedtime, and we were downstairs, and his bedroom was upstairs. And I said, hey, Brock, it's, it's time for bed, buddy. Why don't you go on upstairs and get in bed? And Brock turned, and he started walking up the steps. I remember him walking up the steps. And he stopped halfway, and he turned around. He said, Dad, I'm scared. Will you go with me? And I said, son, absolutely, I'll go with you. And as his father, I walked over with my son, and the two of us walked up those stairs together. You see, once Brock knew his father was with him, he was ready to be bold and courageous and strong. He wasn't courageous and strong until he knew what? His father was with him. That's why the promise precedes the exhortation. Know that God is with you wherever you go, Joshua, Israel. Now, you go out and you be bold, be strong, and you be courageous. You be courageous for God. So what does that mean practically in our ministry? If you're an elder or a deacon, be strong and courageous as you lead and serve. If you're in our men's or women's ministry, be strong and courageous for the Lord. Children and youth, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in speech and life and love and faith and purity and go be courageous for Jesus. In missions and mercy, as we take the gospel to Union County, Beloved, let us be strong and courageous because we know God is with us. Secondly, for our future, a second exhortation from Joshua 1.7. The Bible says, be careful to do according to all the law. Simply put, do what's right. It's not profound, is it? But it's biblical. Do what's right in the sight of God. Friends, what God commands, we should do. And by the way, we should never put off to tomorrow what God's calling us to do today. Be faithful with God's law. Just a moment ago, we as an entire congregation dedicated this house to the Lord. But I want you to know that this exhortation calls each one of us personally to rededicate ourselves to the Lord. If we dedicate this house without dedicating ourselves, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. 
You see the text. Do what's right. Dedicate yourself to obeying God. That means His Word, His law, a life of holiness. This rededication of ourselves, it doesn't just mean hearing the Word. It means doing what it says. Practically, how does this work out in your life? That means be faithful in the little things as well as the big things. It means husbands strive to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, you strive to honor and respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother. Families, make Jesus Christ the center of your home. Live as the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandments, doing what's right in the sight of God. Why do you do this? Because you know God is with you. Therefore, go do what's right. Number three, the third exhortation found from verse nine. Many of you probably memorized this verse, Joshua 1, 9. But the exhortation for your future says, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Friends, fright and a discouraged heart, they're terrible things. And I wholeheartedly believe that Satan uses that to oppress the people of God. And I want you to know that Satan will come after you and he will continue to make you scared. He will continue to frighten you, discourage you in your faith. But this text says, because God is with you, don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Think about how the Bible goes to great lengths to take fear away from God's people. When the angels appeared to the shepherds right before Jesus' birth, what's the first thing they said? Fear not. When Jesus was raised from the tomb, he saw Mary Magdalene and the other ladies. What's the first thing he said? Fear not. When Jesus is with his disciples in John 14, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. He is a God that takes away fear, who takes away the discouragement that Satan wants to throw at you. He does this, beloved, because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to rest in his sovereignty. He wants us to know he's in control. You remember when Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he fell? God wants us to keep our eyes on him. Friends, because God is with you, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Well, this brings us to our final point. All those rocks. Remember those rocks? We come to those 12 stones. 12 stones pulled from the Jordan near the feet where the priests stood. 12 stones that were carried by 12 men to be set up at Gilgal. In Joshua chapter 4, if you have your Bibles open still, Joshua chapter 4 verse 21 says, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Verse 24 gives the answer. The answer is in two parts. Number one, that the people may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you should fear the Lord your God forever. The hand of the Lord is mighty. Two and a half years ago, I fell on the snow and ice, and I sprained my wrist and my hand. And I'll tell you, I was a weak, weak man. I couldn't grip the steering wheel. Why was I weak? Because exactly that. I'm just a man. I'm, I'm frail. My power is very limited. 
couldn't grip anything. But guess what? God's hand is not like my hand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This text says that the hand of the Lord is mighty, mighty, all-powerful. What does this stone mean? It means that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And friends, I want you to know it is so mighty that he's carried Redeemer through our past to our present, and he will continue to carry it into our future. My question for you, do you believe in the mighty hand of God? Number two, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the reverent and all, or it is the reverent awe of God for who he is and what he's done. Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. One cannot properly know God unless he has a fear of God. And the only way to have to know God is what? Through Jesus Christ, his son, who he has sent. You cannot have a fear of God until you confess your sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, turn and embrace him by grace through faith. That way you can have a proper understanding of who God is and what he's done. That only comes through Jesus Christ. So my second question is, do you have Jesus Christ? Do you have the fear of the Lord? Christian, be of good courage. What a milestone this is even for our congregation today. And I want you to know, as you remember Redeemer's past, presently remember the promise. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And let that promise drive you to these three exhortations. Be strong and very, very courageous. Do what's right in the sight of God. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. And parents, when you walk into this building, and right before you get to the front door, your child's pulling on you, saying, Mom, Dad, there's a rock sitting over there. What does this stone mean? You can tell them. The hand of the Lord is mighty. And we should all fear the Lord, our God, forever. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your word.